This episode of Clothes Making Mavens is brought to you by Needle Sharp. Take the guesswork out of sewing with Needle Sharp's curated monthly kits that include everything you need to sew a beautiful garment. Visit needle-sharp.com. This is Clothes Making Mavens, a sewing podcast about handmade fashion. Hi, and thanks for tuning in to Clothes Making Mavens. I'm Lori from frivolousatlast.com, and Helena and I are so excited to bring you this episode. We have an interview with Marcy Harriel, aka Una Baluna. That's right, the superstar of sewing. Una Baluna is here to chat with us, and she's going to tell us all about her new show on Blueprint called Refashion. Super exciting. And we're going to talk to her about the clothes she makes and where she gets her style ideas from. And also, we're going to talk about a professional career acting on stage and on the screen. So you don't want to miss this one. Here it is, our interview with Marcy Harriel. So hi, Marcy. Hi. It's very exciting to talk to you. And so some people might not know exactly who you are. I can't imagine who those people are. But um, <laughs> I imagine there's lots of people that don't. <laughs> well, not in the sewing community. In the sewing community, you are a superstar for sure. Oh, oh and my God. You get referenced a lot. So I, I saw you referenced recently. And of course, I don't remember where. And it was just like, it was like a an adjective. <laughs> Una Baluna was just an used as an adjective. <laughs> yes. But, but let's have you um, introduce yourself and, um, and kind of uh, tell us a little bit about, about you. Well, I'm Marcy. Um, I'm not sure if they use the adjective Marcy or Una, but I'm Marcy Harrell of Una Baluna. They probably Probably Una Baluna was the adjective because it's so adjective-ish. Um, it's perfect. <laughs> I Una baluna this dress. I right? mean, right? Yeah, right, right. pants was a thing for a while, like hashtag Una pants. Um, oh, cool. So yeah, I can, I can see that happening. I don't know if Marcy's uh, such an adjective. Uh, let's see. I've been sewing for, I think, 10 years now. And previously to that and still ongoing, I'm an actress and a singer. And uh, sewing is what I do to sort of stay sane during all of the other stuff. Awesome. And Marcy, there's so much to congratulate you on right now. I understand it's your birthday week, and I love that you take a whole week to celebrate. What are you doing to well, celebrate your birthday? Well, I mean, really, I take a whole month. It's, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, the birthday week began over the weekend, and I didn't even begin it. Rob actually did it. He said, hey, I'm going to make pancakes this weekend for your birthday week. And in my mind, I was like, well, it's still the end of July, so you go ahead, Hoss, if you want to do that, because that means <laughs> it just keeps going. <laughs> um, so he's fully embraced the the birthday week that sort of leads into a month. Um, so that's that's how we started celebrating it, Buckwheat Pancakes. Amazing. And, um, which so, gave us both crazy super energy. Like I sewed six dresses, and he worked out for like four hours straight. We don't. So the Buckwheat. <laughs> I'd highly recommend the buckwheat. I'm going to give that a try. So happy birthday to you. That's exciting. (laughs) And also congratulations on your brand new show that was just released on Blueprint. And I'll just mention for those who might not 
know. Uh, if you're familiar with Craftsy Unlimited, this is the site that you could go and, and view all kinds of videos about sewing and decorating and, and quilting and all kinds of other crafts. It's now renamed Blueprint, and uh, around the same time, you released a brand new show on Blueprint called Refashion. So that is super exciting news. Would you tell us all about that? <laughs> I'm really, really excited about that. That's actually... Um, both Rob and I are on the show, which is so thrilling for us. We are both actors and we never get to actually act together because for many years, uh, I guess, casting's idea of what a loving couple would look like is not uh, a girl with a giant head full of curly Afro hair and a blonde guy who occasionally shaves his head completely bald. Mm. <laughs> so it's, it's really wonderful to get to be able to be ourselves on camera together. Um, I can't tell you how many times we've walked into rooms where say it's a commercial audition and they actually want a real life husband and wife couple and we'll walk in and they'll say, um, and we'll get the look and we'll say, it's okay, we'll just split each other up. Um, don't worry about it. Pair us with whoever you think we should actually be married to. <laughs> um, so that's, that's um, I guess, first and foremost, that's the most exciting thing for me about it. The second most exciting thing is that it actually marries my passion for creating and sewing with my passion for acting. And I really never thought the two would meet. One was something that I did in order to stay sane while trying to do the other. And so the fact that acting and sewing is together in, a, in this crazy sort of colorful creative series is just, is such a kick to me. I, I'm thrilled with it. It's, I, I watched it and just thought, why hasn't she done this already? Like, this is just <laughs> so perfect. I feel like I've already been watching it all my life. Like, it just should have been since forever. So uh, will we be able to look forward to many more episodes? I hope so. I hope so. I really hope so. Um, we've done five so far, and that's called, like, the first series. I don't know if you know some of the other shows. There's, um, like, Man About Cake and The Midnight Quilting Show. And what they do is they do a series of, like, five episodes at a time. And so this would be series one of refashion. And if all goes well and people respond positively to it, I'm, that's what I'm assuming, you know, it will, it will have a series two and a three and a series 26. Fantastic. <laughs> okay, well, I will Thank make you. a point of subscribing to Craft or to Blueprint <laughs> and Blueprint, to say, yes. yes, more, please. Thank you. <laughs> but you're specifically focusing on refashioning in this, in this show. Well, actually, so the name of the show is Refashion, but it's R-E and then um, colon fashion, which like I've never, I've never regarding. liked the term colon, but regarding fashion. So not just refashion, but also regarding fashion, because in one of the episodes, um, it's not a refashion. It's actually taking a pattern out of the envelope and doing something different with it, that, you, that maybe it's a different fabric than's recommended on the envelope, or maybe I'll veer off track completely, which... There's no maybe about that, actually. I always veer off track completely. Uh, so it's it's taking fashion and making it your own. That's great. I'm loving it. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. I am already, um, I've binged it all. So <laughs> I am so lucky because I have a TV in my sewing room and it's it's got Roku built in. And so as soon as I looked through the channels and I saw that they had 
one of the channels was Craftsy Unlimited. I was like, oh my gosh, that's the most amazing thing. Sign me up. Um, because you know that if I had said, like said to my husband, hey, is there any way that I can get, you know, my, my Craftsy classes in here? Like it would have been this whole ordeal and nothing, you know, it would have been tech problem after tech problem. But this was like so easy. I just signed up for it and it just appears on my Roku. Yeah. And yeah, it's, and I can actually sew along with the classes, which is amazing. But um, yeah, I watched every single one of them. I feel like you're my best friend already. This is great. <laughs> That's what I want everybody to feel like. I kind of want to be everybody's yeah. best friend. I mean, I grew up as a shy kid. And then some, uh, some time of, I don't know, my late 20s, I decided it would be more fun to be like, like my dad, who's just very outgoing and talks to everybody and knows like everybody's life story, A to Z. And I was like, why don't I do that? That seems like fun. He seems like a very happy guy. And so I did that. And and now it's it's so much fun. I really do want to be everybody's best friend. <laughs> it's hard to picture you as a shy child, Mercy. I know. Shy. <laughs> well, your personality really comes comes through in it, yeah. Thank you. And it's it's um the Roku thing is really cool too. Uh Rob was watching like some sort of sports event on the Roku. Uh, the summer is very hard for him because football is not happening. So he will watch anything. Yeah. I think he was watching yeah. uh, wood, wood sawing, tree <laughs> sawing or something. They had like great giant logs up and he, they were sawing it in half. And in the middle of this, a blueprint commercial came up. And Rob was like, babe, <laughs> like we've all the TV. We're just standing in front of it watching us on the commercial. And then we found the um, the Blueprint Roku app, which is, I think it's something that uh, NBC, you know, NBC yes. came and bought Craxy. Right. And that's part of the name change. And it's part of all of this crazy new content they have, like Al Roker's on there now showing you how to grill stuff. Just grill oh, stuff. Wow. Al Roker, it's cool, you know. And so they have all these different um, avenues for creativity now. And that's part of how the Roku app came to be. Which, yeah, I'm, I'm completely bewildered by the fact that Blueprint is on Roku and you're learning to sew with the Roku app. It's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really convenient and amazing. And, and it's a really good show. You all should check it out. It's really, really fun. So a, a quick question about that. So you have to subscribe to Blueprint to get access to your show. You can't buy it like a standalone Craftsy class like you can yes, do. Yes, so like Craftsy, the Craftsy that we all know is still Craftsy. You can okay. still go and buy classes and get Susan Colgy's Couture Dress Workshop, which is amazing. And, you know, all, all the amazing classes that you know there. People who subscribe to Craftsy Unlimited get all of those classes plus new content. And now Craftsy Unlimited is Blueprint because basically they want it to be a blueprint for your creative life. Like yeah. everything you could dream of doing in your creative, mm -hmm. here's the blueprint for it. They're going to show you how to do everything that you want to do. And they, they really mean everything. I think there's dancing that sticks on there right now. There's, there's like everything on there. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, wood sawing came up soon. Uh, so blueprint is now. Crafty. Rob will be happy. Rob will be so happy, especially in the summer months. <laughs> so. so Mercy, anyone who follows your blog or Instagram knows that you have like just incredible style like just oh, so amazing so Thank you. how would you describe your style and tell us a little bit about how you came to find it well I I found it pretty early on actually because although I was shy uh my parents also taught me that 
my differences were what made me special. And I was very different from other kids around me growing up. My brother and I, you know, both mixed kids, sort of in a community where everyone was sort of obviously one race or the other, or not just or the other, you know, one race or 20 others, Mm -hmm. but not all in one person, like my brother and I kind of were. Um, and so they, they taught us growing up that our differences were, were the, the special thing about us. And I took that to mean uh, how I portrayed myself, what, what I walked around in every day. Just not just, you know, what my face looked like and my hair looked like, but what my clothing looked like. And I sort of ran with it and did everything I could to make my clothing as different as everybody saw me. Like, I thought, if you're going to label me as different, I'm going to go all the way with it. I'm going to throw on every color that I can find. I found a little star and lightning bolt makeup kit at the drugstore that I used to paint paint a little stamp, little star and lightning bolts on my face. I used to awesome. run around in lace pants and, like, yeah, all, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, go through my mom's closet and find all of her, like, really cool 70s clothing and, you know, wear that, rip up my jeans, paint stuff. I was kind of refashioning stuff as a kid, actually, but I didn't realize it, you know? I was just getting creative with my clothing. Um, so I found that pretty early on and went through, like, a little dry spell in college, you know, and everybody feels like, oh, you got to wear black. You got to be very, you know, <laughs> esoteric and very intelligent. And luckily that didn't last long. And uh, I got back to my color pretty quickly. <laughs> That's so funny. I feel like everyone had to go through the requisite black phase in college, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where other, where other people might, you know, come out of their shell in college, I sort of decided to see what the shell was like. I don't know why. <laughs> and it didn't suit you very well, did it? <laughs> it didn't go well. No, it wasn't good. <laughs> I don't like being in this shell. Get me out of here. Oh, it's dark in here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, I also want to know, from a practical point of view, you incorporate a lot of maxi dresses, lots of flowing fabrics, lots of prints, uh, you look glamorous and gorgeous. Does this actually work on the streets of New York City, like, say, when it's full of slush in the middle of December? Do you, is this something, like, what we see on your blog, is that what, what you wear in real life? Well, I'll tell you, when it's warm outside, what you see on the blog is what I wear in real life. Right. I am swanning about the New York City streets in my maxi dresses, even if it's pouring rain. I'm like, I'm going to get wet anyway. The cloth is kind of an extra barrier around my feet. Now the winter I got to figure it out because it's, uh, I've got one down coat that's sort of a um, puke green brown color <laughs> as Rob likes to call it. It's, it's hideous. It's really hideous. I'm, I am determined this winter, although I don't even like talking about winter at this time of year, mm-hmm. but I'm determined this winter to make the coat of all of the colors. Because you throw a coat on all the colors that I'm wearing, and then I'm, not, I'm no longer wearing color walking down the street, and that's right. no good. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to fix that this winter. But, I mean, right now, I, if I'm going outside, I'm, I'm wearing a crazy colorful maxi dress, or I'm wearing... I've gotten into short shorts recently. Ooh. I don't know what's possessed me, but I've gotten into them <laughs> with, you know, loud uh, tank tops, usually the true bias, Ogden cami. I uh-huh. have those in, like, Such a great 12. pattern. Print. Oh my, such a great pattern. Mm-hmm. And like, I've, I've done them in dresses now. I just made two more of those this week. Oh yeah. They're perfect as a dress. I made they're, one they're too. Gracious, it's just yeah. perfect for some. Yeah. Oh yeah. And they're so easy too. I mean, I think a lot of people look at 
my posts and my maxi dresses and they think you can't like go out of the house and go to the drugstore and that go to the supermarket. It's the easiest thing in the world to wake up, brush your teeth and put a dress on and walk out the door. Like you have one piece of clothing to worry about. That's it. Right. I don't have to worry about it coordinating with anything, even though it probably will coordinate with a lot of things because it's usually like 12 different colors in one outfit, but <laughs> it's, it's just one dress. You put it on and go. I totally agree. I think it's easier to wear a dress and my mom will sometimes stop by my house. And if I am wearing a dress, which is half the time in the summer, at least, I also love the shorts now that I live in California. I'm, I had to lean into the shorts for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) but if I'm wearing a dress, she's always like, Oh, don't you look nice? Why are you wearing a dress? And I'm just like, cause I want that. Yeah. I want the airflow, mom. Like the airflow. I feel so sorry to people who don't wear dresses. The airflow. Huge bonus. It's practical. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing what you come up with for a coat because that's a real struggle for people who live in climates like us. I'm in Toronto and, you know, winters are terrible. And no matter what fabulous outfit you put on, then you end up like covering it all up in some horrible coat and pulling on some horrible snow boots. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, a a wonderful new friend of mine, uh, Elaine Lipson, who works at Blueprint, Actually, after we recorded the Brie Fashion series, she sent me a bunch of her vintage patterns. She was like, I'm not sewing these things up. You ha- someone has to sew these things up. She sent me a vintage Issey Miyake down coat pattern. Oh, wow. It basically looks like you take about four or five down comforters and sew them up together <laughs> and swirl about. And I don't know where I'm going to find this down comforter fabric to make these. It kind of looks like they actually just used comforters, you know, yeah, maybe. like really fabulous, shiny, mm-hmm. pastel hued comforters. So I'm going to see what I can find and see if that's the coat that will make my winter dreams a reality. Awesome. Can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember when I moved to Seattle, I was super frustrated because uh, you only saw my coat. So why get dressed? And so I started collecting coats and I, this was, um, the nineties. So I was deeply into the thrift shopping and, um, I would go and buy thrift coats all the time. So that was my outfit was the coat. And I can, I can totally see that, um, putting some time into that is going to be really going to pay off and, and be amazing. It's just sewing them or it's not easy. No. Oh, well, my problem is too, that I don't want to sew it until it's actually cold because mm. oh, I, yeah. I, I do want the to same out thing. every last. Oh, everybody was talking about fall sewing. Now I actually oh, want yeah. to throw something at the computer <laughs> when I read it. This is not the time to talk about fall sewing. <laughs> yeah. No, this is just summer. Now, if it's, if it's like the end of a cold, cold spring, I'm all gung ho to talk about the upcoming season. So it, it you know, I'm kind of biased in that way, but yeah, it's, I feel like everyone is sort of uh, scaring summer away just by talking about it. Shh, I'm like, Give it down. be quiet. Down. You're gonna make her mad. <laughs> yes, welcome her. So um, we already talked about how you're a fashion icon. Oh my god, a sewing did icon. We, did, did we talk about that? Didn't we mention that, Marcy? <laughs> That's well, okay. you're an adjective. I'm, I'm an, an adjective. adjective. I will accept that I'm an adjective. If you're an adjective, it therefore follows you are also an icon. So let's just let's just call it. And all right, I can't wait to tell Rob that when he gets home. <laughs> hey, babe, listen, I'm a fashion icon. You are. You are, Marcy. Own it. They want, 
<laughs> so what are some of your fashion heroes, your fashion icons that you look up to? Well, I, I was always in love with Prince. Um, mm. oh, me too. Which, which Rob felt didn't bode well for him when he first met me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he kind of couldn't be further from the Prince look, I it think, really right? Be. I mean, and what, I, and what I told Rob was, but I was in love with Prince as like in his fashion and his, his talent and his music. You know, not so much. I mean, Rob is obviously more my cup of tea in terms of what turns me on. <laughs> so, but Prince's fashion and his uh, just total uh, willingness to basically jump off the edge of a cliff and wear whatever he wanted to. Um, it's probably not a good, a good um, what do you call it? Not adjective. Whatever <laughs> you call that, the edge of a cliff. Because he died in the elevator. He died. Yeah. Let's go. Quickly. But now we get to hear his music. Side note, um, Under the Cherry Moon of Prince was like my favorite Prince era. Like it was tailored and he was sharp and he was wearing all these crazy colors, but he was dapper. The buttons up the side of the pants, I freaking loved that. So Prince, David Bowie, David Bowie for sure too. Mm. Eddie Kravitz. It's like most of my fashion icons are men, actually. Isn't that funny? Does that affect, do you think, your style? It's kind of weird, right? Because my favorite thing to make are maxi dresses. But most of my fashion icons are men, and most of them are wearing pants most of the time. Uh, And I'm not really (laughs) so much. Not always. David Bowie, not always. But, you know, I I can't really explain that. Hmm. I'm going to have to look into that one day. I love Iris Apfel's style. Mm -hmm, Um, But, you know... I didn't come into Iris Apfel until much later. Growing up, it was Prince and David Bowie and Lenny Kravitz. and Yeah. Yeah. And you could describe all of them as real iconoclasts too, you know? I mean, they didn't fit any particular mold. They did what they loved. They were flamboyant. So I can, I can see where that relates to, uh, to your personal style. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah more, you know, more spirit kind of. Yeah, it's, it's more the, their spirit than their specific style. And I, I think that's true of... The sewing community, too. I, I mean, a couple weeks ago, I was inspired by Emily Hallman of mm-hmm. Emily Hallman yeah. Designs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, she I just creates, interviewed her. She, oh, she's mm-hmm. great. She creates such gorgeous stuff. And I'm fairly certain that she probably wouldn't wear anything in my closet. And I probably wouldn't wear anything in her closet. But I'm so inspired by all of her stuff that she made a gingham wrap circle skirt with a flounce on it. And pink gingham couldn't be further away from anything that I would ever wear. But I was so inspired to to run off and create my own version in an African wax print. Ah, from seeing I remember her. seeing it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, from seeing hers. So I think it's not necessarily. I think it's I'm I'm inspired by people who know their personal style and embrace it and love it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now speaking of the African wax print, um, recently on your blog there was a bit of a. Uh, well, a discussion that came up around the whole concept of cultural appropriation. And so mm-hmm. could you tell us a little bit about what the nature of that discussion was and what your take on that whole thing is? Yeah, it was actually um, a question that was brought up to me in the comments. I think Jillian of Crafting a Rainbow actually brought it up. And then, you know, 10 or 12 other people responded, yes, yes, we want to know this answer. And the question was, do you think it's appropriate for, and this is how she said it, for white people to wear African wax print? And 
honestly, it, it never even occurred to me that that was a question that existed. Because as sewists, I think, who loves fabric more than we do? I mean, who, who like bows down at the altar of fabric more than people who use it to sew it and create their own closet of, of beautiful things to wear and love and, and never, ever get rid of? And I thought, okay, let, let me look into this some more. And I started to see, I started Googling and I started to see, you know, on, on sites that I'm not particularly fond of where people sort of go down a rabbit hole and you shouldn't scroll down and read comments because mm. everyone starts fighting with each other. Right. People saying, you know, you're appropriating my culture, you're doing this, you're doing that. But the fact is, African wax print didn't originate in Africa. It originated in Holland. Mm -hmm, and right. it was meant to be a knockoff of Indonesian batik. Right. And, and it's, it's often called Dutch wax print. Dutch wax, Dutch wax, wax print. And then it moved over to Africa and Africa loved it. So it's, its origins are not African, even though it's beloved by the African community. But I'll tell you what, to a person, when I'm walking on the streets of New York and I'm wearing a wax print dress, which is often... I will get stopped by someone from, from Kenya, from Ghana. I will get stopped by people who say, is that fabric from Ghana? And, and once I made the mistake of saying, oh, no, actually, this originated in Holland, and it's actually called Dutch wax, and got, you know, all <laughs> so is teacherly on it. And the, and the woman just sort of deflated because Aww. she was homesick Aww. for Ghana. And she said, oh, I thought I recognized it. She just sort of walked away. And I was like, <laughs> no to self, never do that again. Yes, it's African wax print and it's Dutch wax print and it's wonderful fabric. And it means a lot to a lot of people. But to a person, people that I've met from Africa are so happy to see people here wearing it and wearing these wonderful, loud, colorful, vibrant prints. And I started asking them when I do run into people, uh, you know, what do you think about this? Can anybody wear this? I said, I know I'm here with my big giant curly hair fro, and obviously I'm a little bit of everything. But if you saw a blonde haired blue eyed chick walking down the street wearing this, what would you think? And they're like, I would be so happy because it reminds me of my country. They love, everyone I've asked loves to see people rocking it down the street. And I'll be honest, I find that in America, we're a little more, uh, and understandably so, we're a little more in America um, itchy about it because, it, you know, race for a very long time has been a, a, a terribly hard subject to navigate in America. And I think the more that we can just melt it all together and get everybody appreciating each other's culture and, and, adoring it and and using it in a in a reverent way I, I think that's a wonderful thing hmm. so it sounds like it was a productive discussion I mean the fact that that question was asked made you yeah. yeah go through this process and come out the other end with a better understanding of how and why you use African wax print I guess yeah I mean I I guess I didn't get too um too heady about it because for me it was a surprising question. Uh -huh. I, I, I more tried to think of it as as how other people would see it, who who maybe thought, oh, I can't wear that because I might make this person mad, and it just it it honestly did not occur to me. I, I think when you grow up as a mixed kid in America, you you sort of get it from all sides. Uh, you know, 
you're too black for this. You're, you're not white enough for that. You're, you're, and there's several other sides I can talk about. (laughs) So uh, you, you sort of, um, you either build up an armor and, and you don't let any one side affect you too heavily, or you'll get embroiled in so many different sides that are sort of coming at each other that, that you won't exist. You know, you, you can't pick a side. So you might as well just let all the sides live harmoniously and make it not all be so serious. I don't know if any of that makes sense. I haven't had too much coffee today yet. Bob gave me an espresso before he left for the the afternoon. (laughs) Maybe that's my problem, actually. (laughs) Right. Well, it is a really interesting discussion because, you know, I know I've read on your blog that you've where you've described yourself as a little bit of everything and not enough of anything. And so um, it sounds like that whole concept really shapes your sense of of yourself and what you wear. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, growing up, it was always, uh, well, we had, for example, we had some neighbors uh, on one side of our two-family house. There was, a, a, our neighbors were black, and on the other side, our neighbors were Italian. And black and Italian happened to be two of the several races that, that our family is. And the black family didn't like us because we were Italian, and the Italian family didn't like us because we were black. Mm. So it, it was, you know, can't win for losing. So that's that's kind of where, what did I say I was? Too much of everything and not enough of anything? <laughs> Something like that, it? yeah. Something like that. You know, and then I chose a career that, that, um, that basically puts that in my face every day. Like, I don't know if you've read um, Jessica of Tricurious. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, I think we've both kind of gone through the same thing as mixed kids. You know, you'll get breakdowns, which are, which are sort of what um, the description of a role that you're auditioning for. Mm-hmm. We're both actors, I should start with. So you'll get a breakdown of a role and it will say, you know, Hispanic, 30 to 40. She's the sidekick, you know, that sort of thing. But the very first, you know, breakdown of the character is race. And if there's no race included you assume that they're going for Caucasian. Right. It's almost like saying, you know, if you if the color is nude, you assume that nude is a is like a peachy tone, that sort of thing. Right. And I'm surprised it still goes on in our industry, actually. But that's that's a, a lot of where, you know, too much of everything, not enough of anything comes in as well, because if I get a breakdown for a role that's black or Hispanic or Italian, I come in and because I am not clearly any of those things, I'm not enough of any of those things. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's it's just another part of me. And it's I've, I've decided recently that I'm going to walk into an audition room looking the way I want to look and dressing the way I want to dress. And the last part I got, actually, I went there wearing a maxi dress that was um, that I showcased on my blog about a year ago. It was a dark blue denim maxi dress with like a, a button down shirt collar. And I thought, okay, this is to play like a sort of ordinary gal. This is the most ordinary thing I have in my closet, so I'm just going to wear that. <laughs> and they're probably going to tape me just from the waist up anyway. And my hair is kind of big, but I don't care. And I got the part from, from just going in and being myself, you know, or, or the most ordinary version I could be of myself. <laughs> <laughs> We'll be right back with more of our interview with Marcy Harriel. But first, we need to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Needle Sharp. Helena, I know you recently got a Needle Sharp sewing kit in the mail. What did you get? Oh my goodness. It's like getting a present 
the best kind of present because it's a sewing present, right? Uh-huh. So you get this beautiful box and everything is arranged so lovingly. Beautiful fabric and literally everything you need. I mean, sewing needles included. It's got the thread. It's got the softest interfacing I've ever touched. And there is a little tag, which was an adorable touch that I love. I can't wait to sew that into my clothes. Right. It's definitely special opening up that box like a trunk of treasures. But Needle Sharp, basically, if you haven't heard of them, they provide a sewing kit each month based on a different theme. So, so far uh, in the recent past, one of the themes was sewing shorts, another theme was pajamas, another theme was pencil skirts. And so each month you can choose from a lightweight box, a medium weight box, or a heavyweight box, depending on the pattern that you want to sew and the types of fabrics that you want to work with. So which one did you choose? I chose the heavyweight box and my theme that I picked from was the maxi dress and there was a bunch of different great choices. So you get your choice of one of three patterns and then each of those patterns has a choice of three different fabrics. So if you're like Lori and I and you have a really specific palette that you like to work with, there's going to be something for you in one of the three fabric choices. So it is easy to customize in that way, but then all the little details are taken care of for you. And so you just receive it and get sewing. So check out Needle Sharp at needle-sharp.com. And now back to our interview with Marcy Harriel. So we want to hear about the acting. We want to hear about the singing, like what, you know, a lot of that um, doesn't get on the blog. So we'd love to hear about what you do. Um, do you do mostly acting? What's a typical day like? Um, in what venue do you sing? Do you only do live performances or where can we get a hold of these recordings, Marcy? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's, it's funny. I, I have, no, no problem with shouting on the blog about everything I've sewn or anything having to do with sewing, you know, the refashion series, but I, I rarely announce if I'm singing somewhere or doing the, the acting and the singing, which I actually was, you know, trained to do and work my whole life up to this point to do. Um, I'm trying to fix that. I'm trying to be better at that. Actually, when, when I was, um, in the middle of doing the blog I was doing In the Heights um I was playing Vanessa in In the Heights and I just just totally left that off the blog and just wasn't a part of my life on the blog and which was semi-ridiculous I mean I was on Broadway doing a show why not talk about that but in theater I guess the community in theater is is just not always as as warm as the sewing community, I mean, I think we're an anomaly in general on the internet. Yeah. This this doesn't happen. So I kind of wanted to keep that separate and, and safe from all of that. I didn't want I didn't want people who maybe saw me on stage and didn't like my performance to come on the sewing blog and talk about it. You know, I don't care if you didn't like my performance. You can't be everybody's cup of tea, but I didn't want to hear about it on the sewing blog. <laughs> um, but I'm trying to get better at that. Most of my singing is is live performance, uh, Broadway shows, and I'm involved with a group now called Losers Lounge. Uh, every two months here in the city, they showcase a different artist. Like, I think the last one we did was, yeah, Tom Petty. And so we'll sing songs by Tom Petty, but with our takes on them. 
Uh, and actually, you can find me on the Moana soundtrack if you want to find it. I did a demo of a couple of the songs for Lynn when Lynn Manuel was writing it. And I never thought they were going to make it onto a record. But it ended up that one of the songs I did didn't make it into the movie. And they included it on the soundtrack on, the, on I don't know, disc two of the of the soundtrack he he had a, a bunch of songs on there that were recorded by friends of his and people he'd worked with when he was doing the demos so that was that was a fun surprise i was shocked because you know i had to sign an nda when i was doing those i wasn't supposed to talk about it and then two thanksgivings ago i think it was there was a tweet from lynn saying how great does marcy sound on the soundtrack i was like what <laughs> how great I sound on the soundtrack? <laughs> oh wow that's exciting that was, that it was exciting. It was a nice Thanksgiving. It was a it was a nice little surprise. Yeah. Yeah. And you've done some work in television too. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've had the 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 uh, the best worst luck or the worst best luck in television. Uh, <laughs> I was uh, I was set to be like a, a new character on NCIS at one point, and that didn't work out, or or at least I was told that's what was happening. You know, who knows. I was, um, you know, David Kelly, Ali McBeal. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, of course. yeah, yeah. So his return to television was going to be this huge series, you know, Legally Mad, where you know, you know, the lawyers—they're all a little crazy, like a David Kelly show. And my lawyer specifically was the one who was a singer, and so I was going to get to be a series regular on a David Kelly show and sing as well. Like there was going to be a number at the end of each show, kind of thing. Perfect. This is David Kelly's return to television. You're golden. You, I can't believe this. And then Jay Leno wanted to um, be on television five nights a week at 10 o'clock instead of 11, I think it was. Like there was this whole programming rescheduling thing and all these slots like disappeared. And so, and so we didn't get picked up. Oh, man. Okay. We're all boycotting Jay Leno. Okay. Sewing uh, community. I mean, I can understand. He wanted to get to bed a little earlier. Like... <laughs> He's getting that, old. That was really, it was getting late for him, man. You know, 10, 10, 30 rolls around. You want to be finishing up your episode of whatever. And, you know, oh. time your nightcap, going to bed. Yeah. Anyway, that's how the story went. I don't know if any of that is true because you hear a lot of things in the business. Um, but I was also um, the pie lady on Ed. Do you remember Ed? Oh, uh-huh. I do remember Ed, yeah. I mean, I had an actual name. My name was Jennifer Long. Jen- Jennifer Long. Jennifer Young. She was an actual character on it, but um, everybody called me the pie lady. The pie lady. I like that yeah. better. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have a preference for uh, working uh, on the stage or, or for the big or small screen? Uh, you know... I, I don't know. I really don't know. I, I love them both. With working on the small screen, you get to keep your friends because you do have time off. You usually have two days a week off. It's usually the weekend. You get breaks at Christmas. You get breaks over the summer. When you're working in like a Broadway show, I, I won't say that it's I won't say that it's more or less work. It's just different hours. When everyone else is sort of going out and having their night out, you're the person on stage allowing them to be entertained on your night out. So you lose connection with a lot of friends when, when you're doing a show like that. Um, 
I, I certainly wouldn't complain about the amount of work it is. That the people that really get, really get beaten up are the dancers. Oh boy, mm-hmm. I bet. they're just uh, the, the dancers in in all of the shows I've been in. I would watch them just pull themselves up the stairs to their dressing rooms after the show to get changed to to get out. And I mean, young people that that you know are walking around like not so young people after you know an eight show week after, you know, a four show weekend. So yeah, I, that's, I wouldn't that's hard to imagine. What is that yeah. like for you? I mean, and especially, it's not like you're just showing up for a shift, right? Like you're, yeah. you're there, you're emoting, you're laying it all out on stage. Like that's really tough work, I imagine. So what is that like to have to do four shows in a weekend or eight shows in a week? I mean, it depends, it depends on the show you're doing. I was, I did, I did Rent in the Heights and Lennon, as in John Lennon on Broadway. That one only lasted 45 days, I think. Mm. Um, and those shows, you know, they were so much fun to do. I, you know, you'd go to the theater and basically have a blast. And as long as I didn't get stressed out about my voice, I, I was fine. You know, because singers can easily get stressed out about, am I sleeping enough? You know, uh, did I did I drink too much wine last night? It, I find that if you just don't stress about it, you're fine. If you're doing a show like I did um, SARS and Rejoicings, which was an Ethel Fugard play. Uh, he's a South African writer, um, prolific. Uh, uh, people who love plays know him very well. Um, and that show, I had to stand in a doorway. That was a play. I had to stand in a doorway on stage while all the acting was going on on stage. And I was quiet for about 40 minutes of the show. And then suddenly I would burst through the doorway and then for about 40 minutes straight, just scream, cry. For oh, like oh my the, the entire rest of the show, just sobbing, just like, you know, railing on my, my mom and my, my dad. And it was just, after that show every night, I went straight to a restaurant and met Rob and had a glass of wine and a nice steak, <laughs> and then I would wake up the next morning and get ready to do it again. So when you're doing a show with a lot of emoting like that, it's, it's, a, it's a little harder. You have to, like, find a way to let it go uh-huh. at the end of the night, um, which, which thankfully I did, you know, found, found a way to let it go. It was a beautiful show to do, but, but those are the hard ones. Because mm. yeah. mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a sad person. I don't really like playing sad, doing the sad stuff. You know, I have to remind myself t- sometimes that it's acting because I usually take on the role that I'm doing yeah. and, and sort of like Rob and I, you know, depending on what show we're watching in the evening, whatever character I most relate to, I sort of start acting like them a little bit after the show is over, which can be a little scary for Rob. <laughs> like, during, during Friday Night Lights, it was Tammy. I took on Tammy. And I was like, That's <gasps> oh, I'll be Tammy. <laughs> Should all be Tammy. Exactly. Should all be Tammy. That's funny. Oh, I love that show. Yeah. yeah. So is this Yoked. where sewing comes in, in terms of it being a bit of an antidote to all of that? Yes. And uh, funnily enough, uh, you know, as, as a as a little common thread there, the show I was talking about, Sars and Rejoicings, uh, where I'm crying all the time, I did that show with Judith Light, and shortly after that show closed. Rob and I decided we were going to try LA out for a while. And I was asking Judith for her advice. And she said, you have got to get a hobby that has nothing to do with the business while you're out there because everything is about show business out there and you're, you're going to want a distraction. And that's when I started sewing. I had always wanted to 
learn how to sew. And that's when I picked it up. Oh, wow. So we all have Judith to thank for. I need yeah, Judith Light to thank for it. Yep. <laughs> that's awesome. And so how do you find time to sew? I mean, do you, when you're, especially when you're on the stage, does it just take a complete back seat or are you there in the morning getting a few quick stitches in? Oh, no. When you're on the stage, you have a lot of time. Oh, yeah? In fact, in, in most of acting, you have a lot of time. If, if you're talking to an actor and they're complaining about not having some downtime, they're lying to you. There, there's, there's plenty of downtime. You have rehearsals, of course. When, when you're putting up a show, you know, it's rigorous. You're putting up the show. But once you're in it, I mean, I had a singer featherweight in my last dressing room on Broadway so that I could sew between shows if I wanted to, you know, just needed a little, little break. I, you have time during the day. I mean, I could get to the theater by, by seven o'clock and be ready for the show to come up at eight, you know, mm. home, home by 11, then the same thing the next day, you know, for show weekends get to be a, a little more, you know, the schedule's harder, but, but there's plenty of time. Even TV shows I've done, I've, I've brought, I've brought sewing machines to set, um, during Ed, actually, I, I wasn't sewing yet, so I brought <laughs> I brought boxes and boxes of card making supplies <laughs> to <laughs> to set, and people would see me coming with my big purple plastic tub of card making supplies and go, "Yep, that's the pie lady." I'm <laughs> gonna make some cards in a trailer <laughs> while we're getting these other shots. <laughs> and are you hanging out in the costuming department a lot? Is it like oh, you just going the over there and hanging out, yes. saying, "What can I do? Can I sew something for you?" Yep. I'm always like, hi, I'm going to bug you guys a lot because it's, <laughs> it's the best place. The last job I did, actually, you know, the, the costume designer realized that I that I make my own stuff. And she said, oh, well, go show her the costume shop right now. And they took me through it. I, I can't tell you what the costumes were for because I can't talk about what the job was. But I was just I could have bothered them all day long. I could have I could have I, I just stayed there all day. It's like Disney. I could and, have sewed all oh, night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, in, and in, you know, smaller shows that I've done, I have actually, you know, asked if I can come in and hang, hang out and see what they do. And I've gotten advice on, oh, I've got advice from a wonderful um, wardrobe head, uh, Rick. I can't believe I can't remember his last name right now, but he was the head for In the Heights and for American Psycho. I was making a dress for one of the actresses in American Psycho for the red carpet opening. And I brought the dress there and I brought the bodice to him. And I was like, okay, how do you think this is going? What should I do next? And he, you know, he gave me some soutache from the stash that they had there and told me the next steps that I might want to consider doing all of which I did. I took all of his advice. Uh, so the costume shop, I, I always make friends with the costume shop. You guys know it's the best place. It's the best. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh Yeah. That would be amazing, amazing resource. Oh, so fun. So you have been blogging for 10 years and I was, uh, yeah, I asked how long ago it was when you tried it out in LA and um, started sewing, but it must have been more than 10 years ago. Um, no, I, it was about 10 years ago. Okay. So I started blogging right around the time that I started sewing. In fact, pretty much the same time because uh, I started on Berta style. Uh-huh. Uh, I taught myself on Berta style, <laughs> which that's is amazing. That's hard. <laughs> I likes to call the, the blind leading the blind, which it was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were wow. for sure, 
but we really, we were cheerleaders for each other. We were like, that dress looks great. You know, even if it didn't, cause you made that man, you made it, you need encouragement to keep going forward. So yeah, I, I started at the same time. I started blogging then so that my parents could keep track of what we were doing in LA, you know, like have a visual, you know, Oh, yeah, there's some New York um, ambiance. Yeah, you thanks for that. It's very authentic. I'm enjoying all of the uh, car horns. <laughs> that, that's a, that's a, semi, that it's a semi that wants somebody to get out of the way outside of my window. Yeah. <laughs> but you did just celebrate 10 years of blogging. And so what, what have you learned over 10 years of being part of the sewing blogger community? Oh, well, they're definitely the best. I mean, I, I think that's why I kept the, the, the theater aspect of my life out of it, because it, it's just the best community. I, I actually learned that it's part of when I learned how much I like people. Hmm. Because I, oh. I, I never, I mean, do you remember the So Weekly? Yes. Oh, that's why I started blogging was because of So Weekly. It was mm-hmm. such a great community and, and it just, yes. just wanted to know more about everybody. And that's, that's actually why I started um, meeting people in real life. Uh, oh. Mina, the founder, was coming to New York and then it ended up that uh, Debbie Fry and Meg Grand were coming too. And so we decided just to make it a, 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 a sort of a meetup. And I organized, I think there were maybe 25 women that came to it. And as I walked out of the house that day in my crazy floral dress with a bag full of giant fake flowers for everybody to put in their hair because party favors, Mm -hmm. I looked at Rob. I was like, what am I doing? And he said, babe, you're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. I was terrified. I was going to meet like 25 strangers at, at a Mexican restaurant. Who you met on the internet. I met on the internet. Big bad internet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had only recently just started putting pictures of myself up that actually included my head. So mm-hmm. that was a big deal to meet people in person. And it just went so well. I, I mean, so yeah, it, it, it taught me that I like people. <laughs> It's a good thing to learn, I think. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we need reminding, right, when we're reading the you know, news and watching you know, politics, right? I mean, and and now especially, it's still reminding me that I like people because I think we're all having those days right now where it's like, nope, nope, no more humans. Yeah. Humans are gone, and and it's it's just not that way in the sewing community. Yeah, we're lucky. I mean, yeah, there's a percentage, but but overwhelmingly, we're very lucky. Yeah. Mm. I have I have a ton of blogs that I love. I think I think I'm following about like 500 or 600 on Blogloving, which is I'm I'm sure there's plenty of those that don't post anymore. I think people kind of fall off, but but it's um everyone's sort of moved over to Instagram a little bit, which is good and bad. I think I like I like reading, I like reading. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I like reading what the process was and, mm-hmm. and, and more than you can fit in a little Instagram blurb, although you can fit quite a lot in there now. I've, I've noticed if you click on read more, oh my God, it's a blog post. <laughs> yeah, sometimes there's a novel there. But I, I tend to agree. I really like to just 
Like in terms of creating content too, I prefer sort of really sitting down and digging into it a little bit, which is, you know, in order to produce a blog post, there's a little bit more of that. And I also feel guilty as a consumer of Instagram. I don't know, maybe this is like, I'm a, I'm a lapsed Catholic, but maybe the guilt is coming from that or something. But (laughs) I just feel like I'm, I'm soaking it all up so fast, like a, like a greedy, you know, just slurping it in and thinking people spent a lot of time doing this and I'm just scrolling, 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 scrolling. So I sort of feel better about reading blogs because I feel like I spend a little time and I think about it and it takes me a little longer to digest it. That's a great analogy, the slurping it in, because I, I kind of think that's what Instagram was meant to be. It was meant to be a slurp. Mm. You're meant to scroll through and, and, and maybe not be pouring over a perfectly placed picture and arranged of, uh, what's that word when you arrange everything up? Yes, a flat lay. Maybe, maybe it's not supposed to be, you know, you're not supposed to spend 20 minutes on your Instagram picture. It's supposed to be a slurp. And the blog is more of like a, a main course, you know. Mm-hmm. You had your appetizer. Now this is, your, you're a mousse-bouche even. And now the blog is the main course, you know. I think most yeah. of us feel that way. But it's kind of like we're all saying it, but, but we're, but we're all slurping. Doing, we're just, we're all slurping, yeah. <laughs> well, it's hard not to slurp. It's so... Uh, it's so compelling. It's so easy, but you're right. It's, it's like almost like a lack of respect to the amount of time and energy and love we put into every single garment. And yeah, you, you just scroll right past that and like, Oh, that's pretty. Oh, that's nice. What pattern did they use? What fabric? And I'll put that in my never ending list of (laughs) two makes. That's, (laughs) That's oppressive already, but yeah, it, it, it doesn't have the same amount of Let's pause and consider the fact that we really um, love this hobby. We delight in the process or else we wouldn't do it. We'd just go buy clothes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You both just made the case for blogging. Yeah. We both have blogs and so, Uh, yeah. yeah, But I mean, it's it's, it's a great way to think of it. Like respect what you've done and and put a post into it, you know? It it needs more than, than a little blurb. Yeah. It even helps, I think, with my process to think back on it and remember it and, um, and not just move on to the next thing because I'm always about the next thing. So even though there's sometimes quite a bit of lag, I have to say that I'm so guilty of this, where there's like a two or three month lag between when I finish something and when it gets posted and then I have to think back on it. But then that's kind of part of the process too is, yeah. is thinking back on that and being like, oh, you know what? Yeah, this this took more time or this was the right choice or this was the wrong choice. Um, more likely <laughs> lately I've had some fails. <laughs> so, so, it's great. We're, yeah. we're keeping yeah. our brains, uh, what do you call it? Supple and pliant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. totally. I'm actually doing something with, um, with refashion with the series on blueprint where I'm going to, I was just finishing up my first blog post for it today. I'm going to highlight, each episode, but with a blog post like I would normally do, like where I show the finished garment, but I actually talk about it, or rather my usual thing of talking about everything except the garment. (laughs) You know, it's like my process behind it or something from behind the scenes, because I thought, you know, we wanted wanted that series to be, you know, Una Baluna blog come to life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, which is a lot about me and Rob, which is a lot about color, but... I thought, well, but because it was inspired by this, I, I don't want to lose that. So I'm going to actually correlate that back to the blog. And so 
So I promise I will keep posting. <laughs> oh, that's, that's awesome. And I really love to read your sort of just burbling thoughts about and your encounters on the streets and the subways of New York. Right. I mean, I think that that's a big part of why we come back to blogs. I mean, we're here for the sewing, but when people talk about things that happen to them and things going on in their personal lives, all the better. Like, so interesting. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's like, you know... Uh, I used to read a lot of books, but now I read about, you know, people's interesting stories online so much that books are suffering. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So, and it's interesting that you mentioned that you wanted the refashion show to be like your blog come to life and that, you know, your husband Rob is involved in that. And so it was really fun to see that he was part of the show because that made yeah. perfect sense. And mm-hmm. uh, I have a, just a funny story to tell you. I was at a sewing meetup on Saturday, uh, the Toronto Socialists, we, we grab our machines and get together in someone's party room in their condo and so I was there uh, with uh, about five or six other women one of whom was Jillian from Crafting a Rainbow and the Socialists Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. she's wonderful yeah Um, but I was I was saying to everyone oh I'm interviewing Marcy in a couple of days that you know anything I should ask her and so Jillian said well ask about her husband's hot sauce and I I paused (laughs) and I thought and I said is that like hot sauce? Is that a euphemism for him being hot? Because <laughs> I didn't know he had a hot sauce line, but she told me, oh, no, no, he has an actual hot sauce line. So I need to ask you about your husband's yeah. hot sauce line. Well, okay. My husband's hot sauce is pretty hot. Uh, it's, it's, um, you know, I think that now, nowadays, if you don't have like six or seven different professions each, you're not doing it right. Like, <laughs> yeah. right. Everyone. Don't be so lazy. Yeah. Has, yeah. Don't be so lazy. Everyone in New York has at least four or five side hustles. I, I used to hate that word, but now I'm like, well, maybe that's what we have mm. <laughs> because we're actors and singers and writers and hot sauce makers and sewists and like, mm-hmm. so his hot sauce, um, it's called rude red and he's been working on it for several years now. He's from Arkansas. He's a Southern boy. And he didn't like barbecue sauce that he was finding. And so he made his own. He's like, really, really good cook. There's mm. no reason I should ever cook when, when I, we could be eating what he's making. Oh, you married well. I married That's so smart. well. Oh, well. Uh, he, um, he actually got together with his best friend since he was two years old, who is actually a five-star chef now. And they worked on this sauce together that Rob had created. And they worked on making it a little less hot because his friend's advice was we want to get everybody, you know, into this sauce. And then we introduce the super hot one, which will be called really rude red because uh, <laughs> it'll be really rude, but it just launched, uh, I guess a month and a half ago. It's in New York and New Hampshire because we're based in New York and his best friend is up in New Hampshire and in New Hampshire, it's in like a, a bunch, maybe I think a dozen supermarkets and it's selling out up there. We're in, one supermarket down here in New York, Westerly Health Foods, which is our supermarket. Like, I'm in there twice a day. It's basically our kitchen. You know, you need something, you just run across the street to Westerly. And it's selling out here, too. And so it's it's doing really, really well. Awesome. Go Rob. My husband's hot sauce. <laughs> there you go. People are putting it. Someone put it on pasta. I was like, what? I was talking to a customer there. They were like, it's really, really good on pasta. You can put it on anything. I'm like, all right. Wow. That's Don't a spice you. commitment there. It's a spice commitment. Yes. <laughs> I put it on pizza, actually. So I, I guess I guess I'm kind of weird, too. <laughs> so um, let's see. Our next question is, what are your favorite? This, this is a hard question. 
What are one or two of your favorite makes? Uh, this is a very hard question. I know because you've got some 10 years deep and, um, and it sounds like you actually wear your stuff. So yeah, I, I do wear my stuff a lot. It's, it's, it's not a hard question because I think like, Oh, I'm so fabulous. All my stuff is amazing. It's not <laughs> the reason why it's a hard question for me is because every time I'm making something, I'm always like, oh my God, this is my favorite thing I've ever made. Like, like the thing I'm working on right then. And then I go for a phase through a phase where I'm like, this is the worst thing I've ever made. Like we all do that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And it marinates in my closet for a little bit and then I put it on and then it's my favorite thing again. So it's, it's a, it's a continual roller coaster with almost everything <laughs> that I make. I will say that if something stays draped on the chair by my side of the bed, that's a good indication that it's one of my favorite things. And currently draped on that chair is the dress I made. I think I made it in five hours or maybe seven hours. I made it for the New York City Ballet Spring Gala that uh, Rob and I were invited to with, with not much notice. And I thought I do Don't not they know have- you're a sewist and you're going to sew something to go? <laughs> oh, something. I mean... I mean, I'm going to sew something. Cool. I, I literally, I, th- I think a mood fabrics delivery landed on my doorstep within an hour of us getting the invitation. It was sort of like, you know, bibbity bobbity boo it, you know, appeared because often I will order online so I can tell people, Hey, here's what I made and you can find it online. You know, cause I know people hate it when they can't find the fabric. And so I scooped up that fabric and made this chick. Jacquard, Jacquard, I, n- I never say that right, uh, leafy palm print dress. And um, that is still draped on my chair eight months later, or however many months that is from spring. It's not eight months. It's like five months. That's a good long time. So mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. my favorites. That one so far is only in my Instagram feed. I haven't actually gotten dressed up again to, to blog it yet. So it's draped on your chair just because you want it near you? Like you want to gaze upon it? Because you're not wearing a jacquard dress. No, I should probably have explained that. Yeah, it's so that when I wake up in the morning and there's like a cup of coffee by the bed because Rob always makes coffee in the morning and brings it downstairs to the bedroom. Oh my, <laughs> my eyes flutter open and birds twerp. Then <laughs> I gaze over past the coffee to the chair and there's the dress. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay, well, you better get that up on the blog so we can all see it because that sounds amazing. It's, it's a little hot for summertime right now. And actually, that spring day, oh, yeah. I think 97 degrees. Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. so it was hot for that fabric. But did you, you had to line it, right? Because it's I had too to hard. Line it, but yeah. I, I wore it. There was no way I wasn't wearing it. I, had, I really made it in like five to seven hours. <laughs> so That's amazing. It's getting warm. <laughs> Such pressure. I was this close to making Rob a matching tie. I was like, babe, <gasps> that would have been cute. Thing. Like you could always have a matching tie. And he's like, no, that's not. Oh, he wouldn't let you. Oh, no. <laughs> Marcy, what, what advice do you have for sewists who would, who would like to enjoy a bold and joyful wardrobe like yours, but maybe just they're feeling a little weird about it or they're just, you know, don't know where to start. What advice do you have? Hesitant, maybe yeah. I, I would say, you could start, you could start with lining fabric. You could put a pop of color on the inside of your dress or your skirt and see how that makes you feel when you put it on in the morning. You know, you pull on that skirt and you see that peak of that flash of brilliance on the inside and zip it up. 
And maybe occasionally you wake up and you think, I wish that I was on the outside. You know, you, you might, you might, that might be the gateway drug, but, uh, also the, again, the, the Ogden Kami or a pattern of that nature, you know, you've got three quarters of a yard of something and it's crazy and fabulous and flamboyant, you know, make up a little Kami, you know, you can always put a cardigan over it. And always put, it yeah, yeah. Always like a solid cardigan over it, a little solid blazer or something and, and see how you feel about it. Yeah. That is a good idea. Yeah, I, I, I find that, that that it will get you addicted, or it is my fervent hope that it will get you addicted to color and print. Mm. <laughs> and those small makes like the Ogden are also great for, you know, if you come across some spectacular fabric that's just outrageously priced, but it's so yeah. beautiful and you just yeah. want to have it. I mean, you can eke out something like that out of just under a yard. So that can sometimes be the way to enjoy those super expensive fabrics. Oh yeah. That, that are just sitting on yourself that because you spent so much on it, it's just the one yard. Yeah. Uh, you're, mm-hmm. Helena's pointing I have at, a at her stash. <laughs> I have a couple. I have, I don't have the Ogden cami, but I have a bias uh, cami that um, it's a Cynthia Rowley pattern. Yeah, yeah. But because it's bias, it needs a little more than a yard. So I haven't, I've, I've got a couple pieces. So maybe I should just buy the Ogden cami. I just didn't like how low cut it was. I'll just yeah. that up, I think. You know, when I first made it, I was like, yeah, but I'm, I'm kind of wild and different. I'm going to make it super low cut. <laughs> I made my nice. first one. I was like, well, that's not wearable. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you try the pattern out first, Marcy, before you start messing with it? <laughs> oh, I never do. I'm always. Yeah. Same yep. here. Same here. Yeah. Cut just just jump in. Yep. Why not? Yep. Life's Both too people. short. Yep. Yep. So we've kept you for quite a long time because there's been so much to talk about. So um, maybe we'll just wrap it up by asking you what uh, what's coming up in the future, either career-wise, if you if you're allowed to talk about it, or sewing-wise, <laughs> maybe something on your sewing table. What can we look forward to from from you in the next little while? Oh, what can, well, I already I already told you about the the highlighting the series that I'm going to do on the blog uh, soon right. for August. Because August is like tomorrow yeah. or the day after mm-hmm. tomorrow, which is upsetting to me, even though it's my birthday month, it's upsetting. Um, so that's coming up. I am, I keep threatening to start a YouTube channel and I, I, I really want to, I, I want to, I want to give people more of an idea of, of what happens, even more of a glimpse with, with Rob and, and with what happens on the dress form, because he is so much a part of the process. Um, but I think, I think it could be fun, but then I'm also worried about being boring or saying the wrong thing, which I'm sure during this, I've said something that's going to be misconstrued and I've, I've said the wrong thing. Uh, I hope I haven't uh, mea culpa if I had culpa, if I have <laughs> said anything like that. <laughs> so just more of the same. I mean, I don't, I don't really plan too much ahead as an actor. You can't really plan too much ahead because, the best way to get a job or to throw a wrench in things is to make plans. Uh, a, a, a good case in point was the thing that I cannot talk about actually took me away from being a part of the launch of Blueprint, mm. which actually happened here in New York City, 10 blocks away from me at Rockefeller Plaza. So I was all set and ready to party and be a part of that and, and enjoy it. And then I, I got acting work. So you 
you can't really plan too much. You can plan as, 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 as much as you dare to, basically. So I kind of just fly by the seat of my maxi dress and <laughs> see, see what's going to happen. <laughs> oh, that's so far, so. <laughs> I mean, I never knew that this blogging thing was going to turn into what it has. So, right. I mean, there, there were no great plans to become um, some sort of like Instagram influencer type person, but it, you know, things just kind of rolled the way that they did. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm so glad they did. Cause it's so <laughs> enjoyable to follow you online and, Ooh, can I just put in a vote for the YouTube channel? Be totally into that. <laughs> you know, my, my, my fear is that I'm just going to ramble, which I'm sure I've done on this, you know, and, um, we like to ramble. Okay. <laughs> Our listeners seem to forgive us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you watched sewing YouTubers though? They totally ramble, but it's it's so interesting to us. I mean, I because I have the TV in the sewing room, I turn on those sewing YouTubers and they are rambling about whatever, and I am on the wavelength with them. And then I'll tune them out if you know I need to or whatever. That's uh, I think that's it's just like having a conversation, and it's, it's like you're sewing with wonderful. your friends. Yeah. yeah. That's what we're hoping the podcast is too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cause listening to podcasts is great. It'd be great to see like faces and yeah. So thanks so much, Marcy. It's been such a delight to chat with you. Thanks so much for making all this time to share with yeah. us. Yeah. Thank you. I, I, I hope I haven't overshared or overstepped or. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we're <no>. done. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, this has been terrific. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Clothes Making Mavens podcast. For more information and more episodes, visit clothesmakingmavens.com. We would love to hear from you. You'll find options for sending us an email, leaving a comment, or even a voicemail on clothesmakingmavens.com. Hope to hear from you soon, and thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.